fell asleep and ate the flowers For a couple of hours On a beautiful day Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm Jordan Guess. And I'm Kendall Y. What's up, Kendall? We took a week off. Jordan, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. I'm sad we missed last week. That was, uh, uh, for the record, it was all on me. Um, but I, I've come back with fun stories. So that's what we get in exchange, I guess, for missing the podcast. The reason we missed was I was in a remote place with no access to reliable uh internet so we can chat about that real fast if you want to we can start there Does yeah let's good? let's catch up on life first so cool. are, are you going to tell the uh audience where you went yes so you were you were in the mountains of bogota what's it uh we were about five hours northwest of bogota okay. in the mountains of colombia so visiting a um visiting a coffee farmer although all my friends on instagram thought i was uh in town for cocaine but that was not the case uh, my understanding is the cocaine trade is much more in the south and closer to the venezuelan border so but it was very interesting got to see the entire process from you know seed to cherry to processing to green coffee that then gets shipped over to us and europe and then gets roasted so we got a tour of the farm we got to stay with an amazing family on their beautiful property and then we got to um we got to try a lot of different coffees and some of which we ended up buying so i was there with a i was there with a coffee company that i do some work for so um it was very fun and uh as it relates to our podcast and hopefully we can get shoddy uh the the owner of the farm and the coffee production, hopefully we can get him on for an interview one, one day here soon. Um, the strong dollar is being felt all over the world and it is not good um, in some ways In other ways it's good. Um, which, yeah, we can, we can talk a little bit about that or we can save most of that, but essentially it's good for shoddy when he gets paid in dollars, really bad for shoddy when he has to import things like fertilizer from other countries to, uh, you know, for his farm. So his input costs are skyrocketing at this point. Um, one more thing I'll say real quick is just, we were, when we first got there, um, we were dividing the Colombian pesos by 4,500 to get to whatever the dollar amount was. And the dollar was ripping against the Colombian peso while we were there. So that was like Wednesday, Thursday, when it was 4,500 by Saturday, Sunday, it was 4,900. So, uh, Yes, for Americans, that was good. We, Our beers went from 50 cents to 40 cents, um, roughly. So anyways, all that to say, um, the strong dollar that has been, you know, relative to the other currencies in the world is is wreaking havoc. And there's, you know, it's just started really. So that was a very interesting piece. And yeah, lots of political turmoil over there too. They, you know, they've got a new... Uh, a new president that sounds like is going to try to shake things up, um, kind of go more of a property distribu redistribution kind of uh, path if he has that option. So yeah, learned a lot of things. I, but I hope I can bring Shadi on because he uh, he was very plugged in in terms of what's going on and how it's affecting his business on the ground. So mm. yeah, all very fascinating stuff. So you got you had firsthand experience of the. Uh of the global currency uh situation yes one other note is i did give him some bitcoin that was fun so uh shout out to how do you know how to say it right is it ballot or ballet i think it's ballot like voting ballot. Ballot. okay okay yeah b-a-l-l-e-t um that physical wallet that's like this it's actually a pretty heavy card um where you're able to <clears throat> you're able to load Bitcoin up onto it. Um, but it would be very obvious if you tried to tamper with the card to get the private key. So um, yeah. And shout out to Palestinian Bitcoiner for introducing me to that uh, <laughs> product. Cause it's fun. You know, you act normally when you send someone it's a, Bitcoin, it's a, it's a physical Bitcoin. 
exactly it's like you give them a piece of paper almost and it's like that is the bitcoin yep so that was that was very fun so that's super cool said, were the uh were the mountains cool tell me about the mountains the mountains were amazing like um yeah the whole drive was the drive was the actual distance from bogota to the farm was not that not that far but the reason it took five hours is because you're driving Mm. up and down and through the mountains you didn't have to didn't have to go on horseback or anything did you no no horseback but i will say the roads once we got to the farm were less than paved (laughs) yeah (laughs) they were very rocky and uh all that stuff so so yeah the infrastructure there like this was another interesting piece if you wanted to try to go to brazil there's no there's no way to drive to brazil from colombia even though it borders they have a pretty large border because it's in the heart of the Amazon. Yeah, there's no roads. And that's actually where the cocaine, well, not that part specifically, but the parts with no roads, that's where the cocaine uh, is is grown. There's apparently 200,000 acres of cocaine that's uh, like planted. <laughs> but, the go- but the government says we're ha- we have a hard time finding it, which all that means is everybody's <laughs> paid off. <laughs> yeah, everybody's been paid. <laughs> yep exactly so but yeah no it was gorgeous i would definitely say if anybody gets the opportunity definitely try to make it to bogota um and then i will say it was helpful to be with a spanish-speaking local once we got outside of bogota so Mm -hmm. because you don't speak spanish right i don't speak spanish right now um that is a goal of mine is to learn some spanish uh, in the next year. So yeah, cool. looking at a class right now, like an in-person class to take 10 months. So if you want to do that, let me know. <laughs> My schedule's already packed. Appreciate the hour though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's all very exciting stuff. Um, we should, we should catch up on some news items here. Nothing's, nothing's new in my life FYI. I didn't travel. I didn't do any global, global, global travel during the past two weeks. <laughs> how's your garden? Is uh, your garden, how's your garden faring? garden is done for the year you know okay taking it down okay we have there are so many leaves in my backyard um we have uh, there's like a giant oak tree in my neighbor's yard which overhangs into my yard Mm. and i don't have a very big backyard it's like literally probably like 50 feet by 30 feet it's very small Mm -hmm. and um I walked out yesterday and literally like the, it was like, it was like there was a blanket of leaves over my entire, I couldn't even see any grass. And then I, and then I was like, I was like, wow, this is a lot of leaves. And then I looked up and the tree has like barely even shed any of its leaves. So I'm like, oh I'm no, like, is it going to be like, I'm going to have like a foot of leaves in my backyard. <laughs> it's like snowing leaves. We'll need to do a podcast at your house and then either before or after or both we go out and rake leaves you know honestly i i actually kind of like it because it's like it's one of those activities that i like to do it's like meditative, okay. meditative you know yeah um so and it's, it's not proof of work it's proof of work baby but it's not it's not like a since that's one of the reasons why i like my yard is that it's like very it's small enough to where it's never like something that i'm like oh man i have to go mow the grass or it's always like it's like, oh, okay, I'll go mow the grass. It sounds kind of fun, actually. Yeah. No, I love that. Okay. Anyway. Well, so yeah, what news do you want to start with? Okay, listen. Uh, 10 minutes before we we jumped on here, I started writing down notes. You can barely see them because my camera, but um, and I'm just gonna run through the list here. <clears throat> sure. And then we can you can pick something out, we can talk about it. But I also just want to highlight how much is going on in the news right now. The news is insane. By the way, one more thing too, actually, if I can shield my own work. I wrote a new piece, a written piece like a week ago or a little bit below over that um, is on my website. I can link it in the comments. And I talk about, I. so, okay. All right. Let's, let me talk about this for a minute just to get this off my chest. Mm-hmm. The past year, uh, part of my part of my mission this year is to create more content. <clears throat> I'm not like super invested in my content creation. We do this podcast; that's part of it, and then I also write in, in uh, on my website. And um, 
So I've written like five or six pieces this year. All of my written work is mostly like, it's similar to what we do here, which is like, I sort of ideate how I see a lot of the world and sort of work. I sort of try to project where I think the world is going. Um, so I've written pieces on Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, the internet, all sorts of things. Um, but I'm not like a particularly fantastic writer. Like it doesn't come to me naturally. I can, I can invest the time and like, I can be a really good writer, but it does take like a significant effort for me. I've probably written like, probably like 95% of my written work. I've never even published. Like it's all just private material. So I write constantly, but it's not like quality work. Right. So, so this past piece, um, I was like, you know what, let me just do something a little more informal, sort of like this podcast and maybe it'll just like flow a little easier. So I'm sort of pivoting, pivoting my written content creation to more like conversational sort of like how this is. Okay. Um, and so we could talk about that piece if we want to. Um, the, the main chunk of that piece was around what I think like the next generation of social media is going to be. Mm. Um, and uh, that's actually prescient with uh, some, some news from today. But uh, okay, so we can, let me table that for a second. And we can okay. talk about that if we want. Okay. okay. So in the news, here's my list. You ready? Yep. So President Xi got reelected, basically leader for life, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. My understanding is every five years, they have a basically like an election or whatever bullshit they call it. <laughs> and uh, Xi was... You he like you he squeaked one in yeah he squeaked yeah. A, a win out they like yeah you're right yeah they like they they had to like rewrite their constitution or whatever it's not even whatever he's he's ruler for life that's one item during that there was um a a big exchange that went viral on the internet where basically one of his opposing one of the people within the regime that was kind of like quasi the, the pre it was the previous leader it was the leader before him previous president yeah i forget yeah. his name who something or something who he got basically taken out like they're like you need to leave and it was there's a visual we can talk about that if we want to it was a big deal yeah the chinese equity markets have like tanked like the the week after that that exchange or like the day after that exchange <laughs> equities dropped like 30 percent or something crazy wow the u.s has imposed a new set of semiconductor sanctions on china which are extremely significant and not getting sufficient uh headline uh, attention okay that's most of the chinese news to just today the um so after hours yesterday Facebook or Meta, their stock tanked 20% after hours. Oh I don't know. my gosh. I don't know if you've seen I this. I missed and, this. And they, they're already down like, I don't know, what are they down like 50% on the year or something already? So, because um, they had earnings released yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. This is a huge earnings week, right? Big earnings week. Big earnings week. Um, so actually now they're down 68% on the year. Um, oh my gosh so that was the piece of prescient news related to my written work that we could talk about that's insane dude that is worse than bitcoin yeah oh yeah so that's that's another item here on my on my list of items here is that it seems that bitcoin is the least volatile asset <laughs> in the world today <laughs> uh so that was another one um broadly the crypto asset markets are actually performing really well right now relative to everything else in the yeah. the past two weeks really the past quarter bitcoin yeah. is one of the best performing assets in q3 which yeah. is crazy um okay that's more 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 not more line items here mortgage rates have burst through seven percent Real, realistically the average mortgage rate origination right now is probably closer to eight percent than it is to seven percent housing prices continue to fall off a cliff um, the, there's a lot of public, uh, media narrative around the fed pivot and they're using, I, I can see they're using the housing market as the reasoning for that. Um, okay. Internationally, um, you had the 
You had Liz Truss. <laughs> I was about Steph- to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lettuce. Liz, what? I saw that headline while I was in the hotel in Bogota. And I was like, there's no, there's no way. There's no way. That's so crazy. Yeah. Her reign, her reign lasted like a whole 40 days or 45 days or something. Dude, she lasted, I think she lasted officially 11 Scaramucci's. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay. So continuing on, continuing on. Um, the Japanese central bank, the bank of Japan has started selling their dollars FX reserves in order to defend the yen. So the yen, there was a, there was an exchange like four or five days ago, end of last week where the yen started to really collapse and the bank of Japan stepped in and deployed like 50 billion, which immediately reversed the markets, but then like within like two or three hours, it had already retraced that. So they basically lit $50 billion on fire. Um, Okay. The last thing I have on my list here is there's, apparently there's a lot of protests in Iran right now. I think um, they're not getting a lot of media coverage for, for whatever number of reasons, but um, there, that was worth mentioning too. Okay, yes. that's that's my list. I mean, there's probably more things that have gone on even beyond that, but crazy. yeah, we can't get to everything. Yeah, apparently, I saw like I saw U.S. military land in Haiti. Did you see that? No, what's this? Why? I just saw this on Twitter, and then I saw something that Biden was saying. I think uh, earlier in the week that we might need to step in with Haiti. I think with just some up, just some again to your point about like protests and stuff like that. So. We don't have to get into that. It's just, I think the overall picture that everyone should understand is like markets are breaking and people are losing their minds. And and we're only really at the beginning, it feels like, right? Yeah, we'll see. Which is, it's chicken and egg problem. Do does, do people lose their mind because the markets break or do, do the markets break because people lose their mind? Mm. Well, it's different. I think it's different people. Different people drive different, the different, you know order of operations yes. i think wealthy money managers they lose their mind first and make irrational decisions or just mm. make decisions like they just make the best worst decision that they've got in their playbook and then once that trickles down to you know pension people who have pensions people who have fixed incomes people who have 401ks um it just continues to make other people say holy shit right i mean oh what hey, is going on something else that happened in the news this past week was the price of lng in the eurozone collapsed it actually briefly went negative which i don't know if you know over the past year the price of the lng liquid natural gas in europe has been mooning i mean just right so it actually went negative for <laughs> For a few hours or something, Gosh. which which like, means the the reason why that happens is because that means that their storage they have they've filled up their storage capacity. So anyway, the the yeah. energy crisis in Europe continues, and like the that's extremely volatile, and that alone is not good. I mean, I know it's it's good that the price comes down, that's good, but the volatility is not a good sign. One other piece of news in um that's related to oil and gas is just the irresponsible depletion of the, the um, petroleum reserve by mm, the yeah. Biden administration. I mean, yeah, did, did you see the uh, Saudi minister to OPEC? Did you see this video? This was not good, dude. He was where he's saying like, it's my responsibility to tell the world that if you are depleting your emergency petroleum reserves, that may, that will, I forget the exact words he used, but he said that that'll likely lead to pain in the coming months. So not good. Everyone is, everyone is going to their own corner. It feels like right now. Mm -hmm. And I just, and it's, I I would love to get your thoughts on this, that the petroleum reserve depletion is purely political in my head. All Biden is trying to do is keep gas prices low what he's what nobody is able to control right now. I don't know if you've seen this. I saw like I heard Preston talk about it while I was listening to his podcast yesterday. 
and I was just happened to be right next to a Thornton's. I was in the car and he was talking about, has anyone noticed the, the price of diesel lately? And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I never look at the green, the green numbers of the diesel price. You know, that's not my thing. I don't do that. And I literally look over to Thornton's. I had to like kind of turn my neck a little bit. And it was like three, you know, it was like three something and then five something for diesel, mm-hmm. which, you know, it wasn't that long ago that diesel was cheaper, you know, maybe two years, three years ago. Do you remember this when diesel was actually cheaper than yeah. gasoline? Diesel has actually only been more expensive than gasoline for a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So the diesel prices are still you know, gas prices, consumer gas prices in the U.S. have come down, but diesel prices have not come down. They're still elevated. And um, I don't know what that is. It's probably a refinery thing. My guess is that my guess is that there's a political angle and someone in the government is telling these massive refineries that we will subsidize the differential, but we need you to prioritize gasoline over diesel. That's my guess. I, I have no idea what the actual. Yeah. Um, in terms of the SPR, <clears throat> here's the thing. I, here's the problem I have with SPR is that the public discourse I see is riddled with partisan comments, mm-hmm. which is like people are using it as a political tool against the Biden administration. Look, that's I'm not saying. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying that's noise. That's not signal, right? So it's difficult to figure out what the signal is whenever I hear that that type of commentary. Yeah. Um, it's just scary, I think. I if do people th- really understood what was being done, I just think no matter what the reasoning is for doing it, it's just scary to think, okay, now we're being threatened by OPEC. Um, it is certainly scary. Russia. I mean, I think that we're just in this sort of like gray space of like what is the what's the purpose of the spr like is the purpose of the spr strictly for national emergencies such as hurricanes or or like uh national defense you know if there was like an invasion let's say mexico you know maybe we had an issue with one of our borders yeah or is the spr for financial purposes um i don't think that you can get anybody to buy in at least publicly that it's for financial purposes mm-hmm. but but there is an integration point there which is that putin's putin's primary weapon here is the price of energy that's his primary weapon that's his most powerful weapon and if if there is a geopolitical struggle and that's a that's a leg to this then it has to be considered in the calculus of the leadership as the commander-in-chief that is that is a potential potential move you can play so i i agree with you it's scary but when i hear comments like that's not what it's supposed to be used for you think that that is not super high signal because Mm -hmm. it's like well maybe it is actually the best use of it but um, I think the, the last thing I'll say here is that like that thing is that at the SPR has only been around since like the 80s, I think. Yeah. Um, and so it's actually relatively like sort of a new concept. Like, I don't think that there's a lot of rules. There's not a lot of like public consensus on what that thing is even supposed to be for. Right. Uh, actually, one more thing, too, that I want to say. If push comes to shove, there is a lot of crude in the continental United States under the ground. So if we were cornered, it's not like we would all freeze. We would just, we would go through a similar thing that Europe would go through, Europe is going through where they have to pay higher prices. It bankrupts a lot of their financial markets, but you know, it's not like there's death and destruction. Yeah. I think the, it's just so tough. Like it, a lot of it just does feel political. I mean, all the way from the first thing that Biden did in his, you know, in his term was, you know, decommission that pipeline from Canada, the Keystone pipeline. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then the other piece is that, you know, they came out two weeks ago and said, Hey, we'll start buying 
oil again once it reaches eighty dollars, which it did. They and they didn't start restocking it, and then now they're saying we'll do it at like sixty or seventy. And um, I think it was on yeah, it was on Townsend's podcast that he said he saw someone on Twitter say, you know, there's there's future dated contracts right now where you could lock in oil at I think it was seventy mm-hmm. dollars a barrel, See, and they're not doing that. But I think I would be very curious to, to to speak to the experts on this specific matter because when I hear that comment, my reaction is I don't know if the government can actually reasonably go into the futures market. I don't think that's something that they can actually even do. Futures markets like that are pretty thinly. There's not a lot of volume, and so if the government were to step in and buy 500 million barrels in the futures market, it would probably destroy the global financials. It might destroy the global financial system because it would it would skyrocket the price of the synthetics, like the energy synthetic markets. So mm. anyway, I don't know. I mean, maybe Townsend's actually right here. I'm, I'm wrong. But my but I so I think that the like the the politics is just like the way the world works. And my my commentary is like this topic, I have a hard time having a strong opinion on this topic because I think there's a lot of noise and it's difficult yeah. to find a signal because I see the politics on the opposing side too, which is that Biden is trying to keep gas prices low before the midterms. Right. And right. I mean, I think it's hard. It's difficult to say that there's not an angle there, that that's not part of the calculus. Like that is almost certainly part of the calculus. Right. The well, he explicitly is- reached out to Saudi and said, please, uh, please delay your your production quota cut for a month and mm-hmm. he said that earlier this month what's a what was a month from then <laughs> you know it's like it was very it all you know there's some arguments i saw on twitter that was like this is potentially quid pro quo like this is essentially him reaching out to a foreign entity to say hey do me this favor um because i need it for the election so we don't get you know Mm-hmm. as badly beat or beat or at all we'll we'll see in november so and and people were comparing it to when trump reached out to you know the ukrainian president and said mm-hmm. hey give me some dirt on on the bidens yeah. so yeah the paul i mean that that is another thing that is just that is very thick right now we're having all these debates um there are very competitive very competitive senate races governor seats house seats like everything down ballot it's very um it's gonna be very interesting the podcast post november 8th um just to see how all that shakes out because i mean then policy policy could potentially completely come to a screeching halt right and we're just looking at it two years of executive orders and gridlock you know in Mm -hmm. a time where you actually might need congress to make some pretty drastic moves to pass things, whether it's to cut spending or to raise taxes or whatever it is, right. To implement austerity type things. And you might just be met with like, nothing gets done because everyone's trying to plan for 24 and what's their best calculated move then, you know, Mm -hmm. isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the last thing I heard was that the Republicans are likely to take the House, but they're not likely to take the Senate. That's last. That's, yeah, know. yeah. I think the real clear politics is saying, like, on average, Republicans will take will gain twenty nine seats in the House. Um, but I've also heard that that's a very conservative estimate. That could be forty. And then the Senate is really a toss up. Like it's so like, I don't know if you saw Fetterman's Pennsylvania Fetterman's um, debate a couple nights ago. We'll see how people react. He's the one who had the stroke. Um, we'll see mm. how people react to that. Is that the governor um, or he's running for Senate? And he's running for, he's running for Senate. But he is, yeah. is he an ex governor? Who's the governor guy? It's a big tall guy, you know? Mm, Pennsylvania. Yeah. What's his? Oh, he's, he's Tell me the name. Dr. Oz. Oh, oh, oh uh, 
Fetterman. I can't remember his first name. Fetterman. John Fetterman, maybe. Fetterman, yeah. Oh, he's running against Dr. Oz. Oh, yeah, this is the guy I was talking This guy is the governor. Oh, he's the lieutenant governor. Lieutenant governor, yeah. Okay. Holy shit, Dr. Dude, if you Oz. Get a, dude, if you get a chance, if you get a chance, I would just go go listen to some clips from his from his debate performance. I'll just, this is how it started. This is all you really need to know. He's, and again, remember, it's sad. Like he, he had a stroke, like not mm. that long ago. He started the whole thing by saying goodnight to everyone. Yikes. So anyways, oh. all that to say, like. <laughs> this is not good, dude. We have a serious leadership problem in this country. Serious leadership. And it's on both sides. It's, it's not relegated to Democrats or Republicans. It's both and oh my gosh we are not we're not um yeah we're not putting up our best people and i think yeah i mean we could talk about politics all day dude if dr oz oh my gosh that, that <laughs> is the as that is really bad that's like the most bearish signal i've ever seen <laughs> yeah well i mean we'll see we'll see and then yeah we'll just see where that race leads also the um I would say keep a close eye on the governor race in New York. That could flip Republican, I think. Mm. Interestingly enough. So we'll see on that one. But anyways, all that to say, I know this is not a political show. I know we talk, we have to talk about politics sometimes just because it's so involved. But I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of like scheming that's happening on both sides of the aisle right now because of how close we are to the election and because of how volatile just everything is you know so mm -hmm. it's definitely definitely part of the part of the calculus but yeah we'll we'll save that for when the actual results come come through Dude, dr oz is just like a it's like a he's like i honestly think dr oz is just like barely a step up from alex jones okay <laughs> that's that like basically dr oz is like the alex jones but for like the housewife like the white middle class housewife and so it's like less like threatening, right? But it's like still the same. Like, I don't know what part of the brain that is, but it's not a part of the brain that should be a leader. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got a similar race down in um down in Georgia with um I'm gonna forget everyone's name, Warnock and um and an ex-football player. And like again, they're both terrible candidates. What happened was what what always happens in these races, and it ha especially happens on the Republican side, is the Republican that's the craziest gets elected in the primaries. Yeah. Also, there's rumor that Democrats actually directly supported financially the most extreme candidate because they thought that that was the one that they had the best chance to win against. But then you create this scenario where, well, what if you lose to that person? Similar to what happened to Trump, right? I think that Democrats thought, oh, it's a shoe-in if we if we get Trump versus Rubio or Cruz or somebody, right? So, I mean, they, yeah, potentially might come back to bite them and is not good for the country from just a, a pure, purely American stance, you know? So is Dr. Oz, is Dr. Oz a Republican? Sorry, I'm really yeah. fixated on this Dr. Oz. Thing. You're good, yeah. No, he's he the Republican, yeah. It's really messed up. It's like bothering me. Dude, he's i mean it's a good chance it's a good shot that he that he pulls that one out so. that's so messed up. i mean I, I i like i remember like being in high school and like my mom and like my friend's mom's watching dr oz and all of us were like that is the most insane shit ever like that guy says he just peddles lies mm -hmm. anyway. okay yeah. um enough of all that <laughs> <laughs> we know how Kendall will be voting if he's if he's up in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Just to be clear, everybody, I'm an independent. Okay, I don't I don't yes. look at party lines. I look at the individual. Yes, um, we're mostly concerned with markets, and that and it is it's a huge driver of how the markets. I do hope that the markets will calm down mm -hmm. after after the election, like after everyone kind of understands where the chips fell with with the congressional races. And everyone can kind of find footing and maybe we get a little bull run at the end of the year. That might well, that might be nice, but we'll speaking see. Speaking of chips, mm. we should segue to China. Let's talk about it. Okay. So 
My understanding is that the U.S. came in and said, if you work for a Chinese semiconductor company, you either you have two options. And I think they announced this last week. You either have to quit that job by October 28th, Friday tomorrow, or you have to uh, walk away from your U.S. citizenship. That's what I heard. Is that true? Okay, here's my understanding of the situation. That's true. That's that was the damning part. I'll get back to that again in a second. Okay. The actual um, goods that they are targeting are high level, or what, what would you call high performance chips. So in uh, chips, you you measure. You'll hear you'll hear chips defined by their measurements: so five nanometers, seven nanometers, sixteen nanometers, all the way up to hundreds of nanometers. That's how close together the transistors are. So the the lower the number, the more advanced the, the chip technology. So like your iPhone has the most advanced chip technology and it is five nanometers, I think. Um, so, so the sanctions, which they are sanctions, just to be clear, we are sanctioning. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's like a, that's what we did to Russia. That's what we did to Iraq or Iran, Iran, forget. Yeah. Or Iran. Um, Iran. Yep. They are sanctioning chips that are lower, all, basically all chips that are lower than 16 nanometers. That's part of the leg. Another okay. part of the leg is they're specifically targeting things like GPUs, graphic, which are used basically artificial intelligence related chips. Um, that's just, that's another leg. And then the third leg, which is what you mentioned, is actually the most significant is or at least like the from a from a political standpoint the most significant is that they are actually um telling employees that you have to choose either leave you know you can no longer work for this chinese firm or you have to renounce or you know you're no longer a u.s citizen yeah there's a lot there's a lot of like my understanding is there's a lot of dual citizenship yeah. scenarios where people are both the Chinese citizen and a United States citizen and they are working in the semiconductor industry and um, yeah so that was significant because that there was no precedent for that move there's there's precedent for for sanctioning commodities or re physical goods but there isn't precedent for telling you know workers laborers that they can no longer work at that at that firm um, <clears throat> so the implications here are enormous. Um, a lot of people are, a lot of people that I follow are, are saying that this is, uh, the most significant move that we've ever taken against China. And it's effectively going to destroy the Chinese tech industry. Um, that's what they, that's what some of the, uh, that's what the people I follow are saying. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, does this does this make she move much faster to invade Taiwan, who is the largest chip manufacturer in the world? Okay. Now we have to venture into the space where first I have to preface everything with saying I'm not a geopolitical expert. I'm just some random dude from Kentucky that we're no Peter Zion. Yeah. I just watch the <laughs> news. I just watch the news. Well, I find news. I don't watch the news. Mm. Um, so I, you find the signal. We find the signal. That's what yeah, we I'm, do here. I'm looking for the signal. I'm digitally native. I look for the signal. Mm -hmm. um, the invasion of Taiwan is, I'm going to comment on that in just one minute. I don't know. So we mentioned that the, so during the Congress, which was last weekend, I think, where they, where they basically finalized Xi's presidency. We had the previous leader, Hu, Hu Jintao, that's his name, Hu Jintao, was escorted out. So let me just paint the picture here because I, it's going to help for the, the sake of discussion. Mm -hmm. You have the, the Congress being held in this Chinese room. There's red everywhere, right? The curtains are red. Everything's red. Um, you have Xi Jinping, who is the president, sitting next to... Hu Jintao, who was the previous president, who I think was president in like 2013, I think is when Xi Jinping first took over. 
Um, so they're sitting next to each other. And during this exchange, you have a gentleman who is clearly like a security agent or security guy or administrator or something mm-hmm. come up to the table and tap Hu Jintao on the shoulder and say, you have to leave or we're, we're taking you out. Hu Jintao uh immediately responded basically no like he was like i'm not gonna leave there was a little there's a there was a back and forth and then finally hu jintao got up as he starts walking away he taps Xi on the shoulder he says something to him Xi basically turns listens but doesn't respond at all and then hu jintao walks out right so um my understanding is that there are sort of two two parties in the communist party or two, you know, you, I don't know if they're formally recognized as parties, but there's two sort of ideologies. Mm-hmm. One is technocrats and one is uh or something. There's a, there's a second one, which is much more. Okay. The technocrats align much more with Western ideologies with free markets. markets. Yeah. Yeah. Free markets, exchange, free exchange. And then the, uh, the other part, the other sect, is much more traditional. They think of they think of Chinese culture as the leading uh, priority here. Xi Jinping is in the latter. Hu Jintao is in the former. Hu Jintao was responsible for a lot of Western capital actually flowing into China. So what you saw there, I think that happened the day after the the, sh- the sanctions took place. Is, um, and there was there was messaging that 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 video footage was actually not shown in china internally that video was intentionally made for international uh, Mm -hmm. publication so what i saw this is me reading the tea leaves is we place the sanctions on china which again are the most uh, significant thing we've ever done from a geopolitical standpoint we place that and then the next day we get this video of Xi Jinping basically making a sort of ideological move where he says that's out and and this new regime is in. Um, so, okay. I wanted to set that. that Yeah, that's good. That that context to talk about Taiwan, Taiwan, obviously we've talked about Taiwan in the past. Nancy Pelosi went there a few months back. Um, uh, Taiwan is where 90, 95% of the semiconductors in the world are made. Um, Taiwan is recognized as a sovereign nation by the, the international orders. The only nation who doesn't recognize it as sovereign is China. It's part of China's one pol- one China policy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then from a, from a strategic, from a, power projection uh, perspective. Taiwan is located in the China South Sea. It's very strategically located along an archipelago of islands, which chain from Japan, Taiwan, Philippines. Um, That's very important from a military standpoint. So the question is, your question was, will this speed up? We all think it's kind of all accepted at this point that China is going to make a move on Taiwan. I think previously for the past decade, the timeline was something like 2027 is when people thought they would make it, make the move. Um, now people are questioning, you know, with all, with everything that we just discussed and, and then all the other stuff that's going on in the world, including Russia, um, you know, is, is the, the, Taiwan conflict going to be pulled forward to much sooner than we thought. Okay. I don't know is the answer. My opinion is probably not. If I were a betting man, I would say probably no. And it might be a little surprising, but um, now I'm specifically saying within the next 12 months, I don't know, you know, beyond 12 months, it's hard to project the future beyond 12 months. Yeah. But um, my reasoning is that if from, okay, so if I put myself in Xi's shoes, a move on Taiwan is a must win scenario. 
if you lose that move, everything else crumbles. You might as well call it quits. Everything else that you've, that you've spent your life working for all is predicated on that specific moment. So if you make a move on Taiwan, you better be damn sure that you're going to, you're going to win. And I don't, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not just like we own Taiwan now. It's also like, do we have, you know, like, are we still able to import commodities from Australia? Can we maintain our quality of life? Right. It's an international world. They, China gets a lot of shit from Africa, Australia, Russia, India. So, um, my, my, my thinking is that everything would be predicated on that move and he better be damn sure that he can win. And I don't think he can win today. So that's why I think no. Okay. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the opposite view. Okay. This is is convenient that we disagree. So we've got more to talk about, but I think, um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's going to be exactly how, um, how the Hong Kong takeover played out in 2019. I think it'll be pretty much the same. Um, I think the, the U S will turn a blind, turn a blind eye. I think that they will look at the situation and say, we can't, there's nothing we can do, even though we, you know, they'll come back to the States and the, the West will all say collectively, we did what we could to try to deter this move, but we, there's nothing else for us to do because we get too many, we rely too heavily on China. So how hard can we really sanction China with this move? I think their bet, the U.S.'s bet has always been, we need to try to make it where he cannot make this decision. Xi, like he can't do this and just do everything as a um, preventative measure. But I think if he, if Xi calls the bluff and says, I'm going to do it, I think it'll be pretty easy. And I think the United States will do the same thing that they've done to, you know, to the people in Afghanistan, to the people in Hong Kong and just say, sorry, but we're out of here kind of thing. And that, and I think they've already been ramping up to, I think that, you know, one of the, one of the five, four or five bills that Biden has passed, gotten passed in his first two years has been that domestic semiconductor bill where they're trying to fast track semiconductor production inside the United States. And I think that is an insurance policy to Xi moving on Taiwan and them saying, we would love to help. And we know we've said we would support you for years and that we recognize you as a sovereign, but we're also not willing to get into a fight with our, you know, one of our biggest trading partners. So, well, okay. So let me counter. This is good. This is a great discussion. That's a good point. The, the onshoring of chip manufacturing is at a minimum five years out. So we won't, we won't have anywhere near the capacity probably for a decade, honestly. And there's nowhere else, right? Where that could, um, no, I think there's some places in Africa. South Korea has, has a, the Mm. second largest, uh, manufacturing base for, for semiconductors, but it's like 3% versus 95%. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's one one thing. Another thing is, I think my again, we we're not experts. These are just opinions of guys who follow information. Online. We're becoming experts, Kendall. Well, we, we know some <laughs> things, but I just I don't want people to th- to take what I say as truth. Sure. Um, so I think my one narrative I would spin to you would be, if you think that. Look at what we did in Ukraine and Ukraine is honestly like not that important to us from, for a lot of geopolitical and financial reasons. Like we don't do a bunch of business with Ukraine, mm-hmm. but they're not even, they're not in NATO. Why did we, why are we helping Ukraine? Honestly, that's a, that's a reasonable argument. Now we have a different, you know, that's a different discussion. Yeah. But take that in, in, in relation to Taiwan. We are sending them 30, $40 billion a month. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that what we've done in Ukraine is, is, has been a clear signal that we will fight to the, to the teeth for, for Taiwan. I think Taiwan is a hundred times more important to us than, than Ukraine is. Yeah. 
Well, what are the odds though that we just say we um now we just do semiconductor trade with China? Like to the guy's point Maybe. that was on that was That's on fair. Townsend yeah. uh last Thursday. And he was just like the the winners in in this global economy will be people who do business with Russia. And he said Russia, but I would say Russia and China. As, let's assume that China makes that move and they're in the same sanctioned bucket that like Russia is in. And where it's like it's very politically incorrect to do business with a country that just invaded another sovereign. And so that's the first one which countries are willing to do business with countries that are doing things that they don't agree with, but have real natural resources that they need and and they will sell them to them at prices that their citizens can afford. And then the other one that he said was uh, about coal. And I mean, we can get into that if you want, but he was just saying like coal is still, I guess one of the cheapest and more most energy efficient, even though it's dirty. Um, the thing is, the thing is semiconductors are so important yeah from for so many reasons so i i think i hear what you're saying which is that like i think there is a reasonable argument to be made which is that like we will let them take it because the we'll still do business we'll do business with the devil basically right yeah because what's um, the, which, the, the which, other by the way, side? We've, we've done business with saudi arabia for like four decades so yeah it's exactly a, it's a fair point the um yeah so morally morally i'm not making a moral moral argument i'm making a power argument mm -hmm. and i think that if you if china takes taiwan then there is a new global uh mono superpower and it is china it is no longer the united states we are we would be handing the reins over to china and i think that from a power projection standpoint that is not acceptable mm -hmm. it's very tricky because China is, they are very much like, I feel like on crutches right now from a like, from a human geography standpoint with their population and where that's headed in the next two decades. And then also just from how their government, you know, it's a communist government. So it's very inefficient and things like COVID can completely shut things down, right? Just on a whim. Um but if I'm sitting in the United States seat right now, I'm saying to myself, okay, say we really go at China hard and they win. Where do we get our semiconductors from if China says, looks at the United States and says, we're not trading with you anymore because you pissed us off. When we've got plenty of buyers in developing countries that will buy these, these chips from us that, you know, that we're still manufacturing in Taiwan and you know go go try to find some in africa or go to try to find some in south korea that i think that's the scarier um the scarier scenario if the united states were to try to fight it and then lose um because they're not willing to push hard enough and so i think the safer bet even though yes to your point morally this is not the best option is to say is to pretty much turn a blind eye to as they did with Hong Kong and say we don't agree with what China is doing but we also get a lot of goods from China at prices that Americans really enjoy and so we're not going to do anything so but we'll I see. don't know man crazy world it's it, crazy, it is a crazy, crazy world. world and and that that is the hardest part is that like you are going to have to most likely do business with more devils. Like we've done business with devils, right? As the, as the United States. But I think that that list will continue to grow and our leverage to say, Hey, stop doing that. That's, you know, that's a human rights violation is weakening and it's been weakening, right? I mean, we're still, do we're doing business with China, even though they've got millions of, of Uyghur Muslims, locked up in concentration camps so again this isn't i think that this is just a trend that the u.s even though we do have values that i think the whole world should at least consider right with free markets with uh property rights all those things but 
we're also like, we've gotten so comfortable with, with our cheap, our cheap goods. So, and cheap energy. So, um, one other thing I was going to mention is it looks like, so from, so the Chinese state media, they suggested that Mr. Uh, Mr. Hu's uh, exit was health related, but offered no details. So that's, yeah. that was the spin that they gave in the Chinese media, but I'm yeah. reading this wall street. <clears throat> uh, did he, did he just like park in the wrong parking spot or like what, you know, it's like, <laughs> sorry, you left your lights on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You have to laugh. So you don't cry. That's um, funny. but yeah, I mean, from this Wall Street Journal article, it's 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 essentially saying that the China or that the Taiwanese uh, government is 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 bracing themselves more or less after that. And then there was one other thing that I saw in this article. I might have to look for it. Oh, here it is. So on Saturday, the pretty much they amended their charter. This is last Saturday to include the phrase "quote firmly oppose Taiwan independence." In quote, amplifying language that had previously only called for strengthening unity among all Chinese nationals. So that's another, I mean, that was that was explicitly changed in their charter. So I think the West, the West, I mean, gosh, I, I do not envy any of these leaders in the West. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who are great leaders who are saying the same thing because you are dealing with so many moving pieces and everything is so fragile right now. So all that to say, cause you're still like, say China does move on Taiwan, maybe during this quarter or next quarter. I think it could be that quickly. What, what do you do? What do you do as the West? That's a huge question that I don't think anyone has a firm. There's not been anyone who stood up in a room in the United States and said, this is, this is our strategy exactly for if, you know, ships start moving in and invading Taiwan from China. I don't think that conversation has been locked down, you know what I'm saying? Or nailed down. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in the, in the room. There's a lot of conversation you, you that's going behind closed doors. That's true. You missed, maybe we missed the meeting, missed the uh, calendar invite. <laughs> yeah, I probably was like zoned out and you know, it's just like I forgot to join the Zoom call. Um, okay. Uh well, I got we got to cut it here because I got uh, we got things to do. But uh okay, five five word five word reaction Elon Musk walking in yesterday with a sink. With the sink? Okay. <laughs> I I liked it. I I I got a, I got a, I got a laugh from it. It was good. It was good. Let that sink in. Oh, that was hey, great. I'll admit my prediction was wrong. The deal is going to close. So looks like Tomorrow. we're going to have a new owner. I, I Actually, one more thing I just want to say on this matter because I was thinking about it earlier. Look, Twitter, Twitter is going to be destroyed one way or the other. Okay. I think... You know, I think it's just a fool's errand for for Elon. I think I think what Elon's trying to do is a fool's errand. Like it's gonna five years from now, you and me, I guarantee you probably won't be using Twitter. Like, we're gonna be using something else. And and whether parlor. or not a parlor, <laughs> true, true, true with, social with uh with Kanye. Oh my god, that was another piece of news, dude. That we 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 just skipped over. Kanye dude, bought the, parlor. The Kanye stuff is oh absurd. yeah. But I will say, actually, we should talk about Kanye next time or at some point, because it is interesting. We are seeing another use case of Bitcoin. Pretty much someone saying something that is not good by any means, but is being demonetized from major banks for what Mm. he said. Mm. And it should be it should be a signal for everyone to essentially say if they can do this to Kanye. And I'm not I'm not saying what Kanye said was good. It's bad. Right. But I'm just saying people say bad stuff all the time. They let some things slip their tongue. They say stuff that they regret and they apologize for. And all I'm saying is this. It's another use case to me for Bitcoin. Politization of money. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, we can end it there. 
All right, let's call it. Thank you for your time, sir. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Good to be back. Good to be back. Yes, agreed. All righty. See y'all.